And guys, welcome to the Last Set Podcast. Joining me on the podcast today is now over Richard Collins, a personal trainer with 17 years experience. Richard is a director of the Physique Code, his own PT business dedicated to body recomposition, strength training, and nutrition. He has helped hundreds of clients and had, had coached multiple competitors and gone on to win multiple awards. And joining me today, how is things, man? Good. Uh, thank you for having me today. I'm excited. Yeah, well, so uh, this is obviously quite frequent for you and all that. So you've been doing this for quite some time. And just earlier on, before we started the podcast, you were telling me, man, you've been coaching for 17 years. Yeah, so... Uh, I would have, uh, so the first three years were work experience. Mm -hmm. um, so I was in, I graduated high school 2006. So uh, year 11, 12, and then while I was studying, um, mm. I was actually working as just for work experience. And it was things like literally just cleaning the gym and shadowing trainers and stuff like that. So I was in a, in a really uh, lucky position that once I had become qualified, you know, I'd, I'd been working under some some really good, really smart trainers for a couple of years and shadowing and asking questions and just being around the gym scene. So, um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a long time now. Sort of, it's crazy going back and thinking, uh, hearing you know, sixteen, seventeen years of of coaching because um, it doesn't actually feel like that long. But mm. uh, you know, and when you have a look back at it, it's it's crazy how fast time goes. Yeah, well, it's important, obviously, as well, because I've with this podcast, I've had a lot of uh, people who are fighters or on a lot of BJJ guys, and they always tell me the longer they stay in something, the long, more better it becomes. Like, you know, there's a reason why it takes 10 years to get a black belt, usually. And then for you, obviously, it's pretty much almost double that time. So with it, I mean, with the amount of experience that you have, is it like, has it been like pretty much the only job that you've ever done, like done really? Or could you not see yourself doing anything else? Or has this has been like your sole profession? Uh, it's the, it is as a, as a career job, it's the only job that uh, yeah. I have actually ever done. Um, mm -hmm. Up until, so sort of uh, grade eight, up until year, uh, grade 10 or 11, I was uh, working in a basketball stadium at a canteen and, and, sort of you know collecting the score sheets and doing things for um for basketball games but again that was a part-time after school job um but yeah i haven't actually done anything else in uh, uh in regards work-wise except for uh coaching in one way or another so yeah it's sort of everything that i've ever done and um i guess it's a one-trick pony uh -huh. I wouldn't say one true funny, man. <laughs> what I got to say was because you, I uh, remember you telling me just earlier before we started the podcast, it was, well, you had a quite a lot of interest in basketball. Yeah. And obviously with your coaching and all that and all the years experience, have you ever like coached any basketball athletes or is it? Yeah. So I've, I've done uh, a fair bit of work with, with basketball athletes. Originally, um, my course that I had done in uh, Box Hill in Melbourne was uh, – uh, diploma sports development. Mm -hmm. So when I had actually originally started uh, this this job or this career path, I was still very into basketball. Um, so I wanted to work with sporting athletes, mm -hmm. um, and I was I was lucky enough to be able to be taught by the current well not current now but current at the time strength and conditioning coach for the Collingwood Football Club, mm -hmm. um, and it was I was lucky enough to be able to do a lot of work experience and start moving in. So I actually ended up working with football players. More more than basketball players okay um, what was the difference like for training those two different athletes um i think a lot of the the, the principles are, are quite similar um obviously in regards to you know their like their agility work their power work making sure that they're not you know too too heavy they're going to slow down too light they potentially can get weaker um, you know, and obviously we were doing a lot of work with, um, plyometrics and things like that. So it is actually rather similar. I think, I think one of the major differences is the, the football players tend to have to run a lot more, um, sort of, obviously the field is a lot bigger, whereas the basketball players work a little bit more, um, specific with agility work and plyometric work. So, but in saying that, I mean, the, the, the core principles of, getting stronger, you know, pound for pound weight, um, plyometrics and things like that were all, were all relatively similar, uh, for the work that I did with them. Anyhow, um, I never had, you know, the physios and things like that. Whereas if there was anything that was, um, 
completely specialized and we, we didn't touch that. We sort of worked with, um, well, when I was there, we sort of worked with, uh, you know, base level strength progressions for them and things like that. So I'm sure there was a lot more specialized stuff, uh, but uh, that was way above my pay grade there. So Yeah, it was good. I mean, well, one thing I always like about like personal trainers in sports, go obviously guys who do strength and conditioning is I love it when it crosses over mm-hmm. because you'll always find like some clients – well, some exercises can be done regardless of where the scope of where they are, less, and that's becoming now more evident in the personal training field. Like, for example, you know, knees over toes guy? Yeah. How like, he's incredibly popular now with basketball players, Yeah. but you also find him doing for people who are basically like general population. Yeah, absolutely. And also elderly who are thinking about longevity in the knees. So that I've, all, I've, I've been quite fascinated with. Uh, so when it comes to strength conditioning, it's basically the difference sometimes like coaching an athlete coaching general pop but sometimes the methods which they use are very similar uh anyway so one thing i re- one of the reasons why i wanted to reach out to you a lot today is because how incredibly of was it active you are on social media but also incredibly respective on social media you are you have a mass following of pretty much every almost every personal trainer friend that i know do find yourself like follow uh was it sharing your content and obviously we can get into the amount of clients and all the people that you look over this. Um, but like, how do you structure your social media content? Like what do you have like a weekly schedule or? Um, I'm, what I do is, is I, I sort of went down and I spoke to a mentor of mine, Phil Lerney, who I was talking about, um, who's, who's a great, uh, coach of personal trainers, so not necessarily just the craft, but just the, you know setting, helping them with their business, social media, all that sort of stuff. And I, I actually had him on a podcast, mm-hmm. and then after the podcast, we sort of spoke about it, and he gave me an exercise to do, which um, I basically base my entire social media around. So I don't. It's it's hard with like strategies. Like I don't have strategies, and you know I have to do X amount of posts or mm-hmm. you know things like that. But what I what he had challenged me to do was have a look at my potential, like my perfect client that I wanted to reach or help demographic wise, build a person, um, and then treat social media like I'm talking to just that one person. So what I do with a lot of my posts are, is I sort of look at what the physique code, the type of client that the physique code wants to train. And then I look at things they can potentially do well, things that they potentially uh, struggle with. And then I sort of create content based off of that. So everything that I do, I'm almost feel like I'm talking to one person. Um, so a lot of my content, uh, posts, you know, it might be, um, what's something that the typical physique code client struggles with and it could be sleep. And so, okay, well, if this person struggles with it, then that could be a, uh, problem for, uh, any, you know, hundreds of or thousands of people that follow my Instagram that are the type of clients that we want to work with. So we might try to solve that problem on an Instagram post. So I think with, uh, with content, I generally, it will either be me looking at our potential client like that and solving their problems or clients that we see day to day that, you know, we might get frequently asked questions or, you know, we might get a question from a client that might be something that I hadn't even thought about, but I thought was a really good question that could help a lot of people. And then I might actually, you know, give an explanation to the client in person and then say, you know what, this is something that I think is going to affect a lot of people. So then I might go on Instagram and, you know, identify that problem and then give solutions to it or something like that. And I'll create sort of content posts out of that. So, um, it actually, you know, I, I always try to do at least one, one post every day, one post every second day, mm-hmm. um, somewhere around there. But it's, um, yeah, that's, it's, it's pretty, you know, organic, authentic, I guess, when, um, when I create the post, cause it's sort of, you know, me talking to clients, mm-hmm. um, me identifying our target clients issues and then trying to, you know, solve those problems on social media for, you know, and with the hope that, uh, our clients that potential clients that we want are going to, uh, find it useful and see value in in us, which is going to help us with you know, uh, which helps the client have uh, you know buy in and trust with us. So um, it's pretty much that's that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all it's ever been, and um, I'm super glad that so many people are responding well to it. Yeah, that's they do very much respond well. So tell me about who is this like potential client for you? I think what you explained to me is it kind of like built almost like an avatar, would you say? Yeah. So who is like this avatar that you aim for when it comes to trying to find that perfect client? Look, I mean, it's, 
more so nowadays, it's going to be the, the, the client that we look for at Physique Code um, is going to be somebody that has uh, tried to lose weight, tried to make themselves look better. Um, they've tried different diet approaches that haven't been sustainable. Um, they, you know, they've, they've tried different things. They haven't gotten the results. They don't understand why they feel like giving up. Um, and then that's sort of where we want to be the person to come in and not only just, you know, give them a, uh, like a set diet plan or training plan, but we want to be able to educate them, um, you know, and then teach them about, you know, it's not just, you know, the 45 minutes you have in the gym, it's about your lifestyle and, and, you know, being able to take a client that potentially has poor lifestyle and somebody that we can, you know, look to address habits and then also look to address training and diet as well. Um, so that's sort of the avatar client that, uh, I guess we built up, um, somebody that, you know, has tried everything and is unable to, uh, still achieve results. Um, so yeah. Obviously when you start like training, there's a massive like scarcity when it comes to like trying to grab as many clients as you can to sort of like free up your time. At what point? down the line in your years where you're like, okay, you know what, this is going to be the avatar. This is what we're going to do now. Did you have to go through like a lot of trial and error? Um, a little bit, but I think as well, like it always changes. Like, mm. I don't think it's, uh, um, <clears throat> I don't, I don't think it's, it's always been that person. Okay. You know what I mean? So, um, I think as, as I've advanced through, uh, my career personally and, you know, different stages of life and things like that, then, I think the people that I try to help become different as well as I'm in, as I mature, like I'll be the first person to say when I was 21, 22, um, I was, I didn't have the skill set to, to work with 40 to 45 year old mothers of three that, um, I can relate to that. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 you know, that want to lose weight, but they have super busy lifestyles. And, you know, it's, it's something that I try to, to, to teach a lot about now was, you know, understanding of those sort of things, but I just, I wasn't, I, I didn't have the maturity and I didn't have the understanding of their lifestyles. And, you know, for me coming from working with either athletes or people my age and saying, you know, just stick to this diet. And, you know, I don't understand why you can't stick to the diet. I don't understand why, um, you know, you, you have trained five days a week. And, and I think it's something that I still see a lot of trainers go through now. Um, and, and, you know, so I think back then, I think my, my, target client might have been more sports athletes and even up until you know a few years ago it was predominantly going to be bodybuilders but um you know i think now I, as i still do a little bit of that i think the the avatar is changing a little bit um you know to to helping people with these busy stressed lifestyles to to still achieve that same goal that other people are uh you know physique goals body composition goals um but obviously you know learning how to do it in more sustainable ways and not having the whole you have to be perfect, you know, just you have to progress. So I think, you know, the avatar is never, it's always changing for yeah. me, I think. And, you know, I, and I feel like every time, um, you know, it changes, I think it's just, it helps me develop more experience with those types of clients. And I think that, you know, it's something that makes people a better coach rather than just trying to stick in with one thing, but be able to, you know, um, gain experience and work with different types of clientele because you do have to train, even though it's the same goal, you have to train them all very, very, very differently in the way you talk to them in the way, um, you know, you, you set up strategies for them and how lenient you can be and things like that. So it does, it does change quite a bit. And I think, um, the, the, the goal avatar has definitely changed over years. So, um, yeah, I never think it's, it's always a moving target for me. It's always something adjusting. Mm -hmm. So is it something like you maybe have adjusted like over the couple of years, a few years, or is it something that goes by year by year? For me personally, I can relate a lot to what you're saying because I'm 23 years old. I've been coaching for two years now. When people tell me what's the ideal person, I would always say guys or girls my age, mainly because obviously, sorry, Richard, do you mind how asking? Uh, I'm asking how old are you? 34. 34. So yeah. you're not the same person in your 30s and you are in your 20s. And it's the same when you're in your 40s. The way you speak, the way you act is entirely different. And then the reason why I would always try and change, train people close to my age. I mean, if I could get anyone older and they were happy to train with me, absolutely, that's fine. But the reason why is because I feel like it's the 
I'm best at communicating to those types of people. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's the num- one of the number one things because at the end of the day, you could be absolute Einstein, but if you're shit at communication, you're not really going to get really far in this industry. Absolutely. It's a, it's a, a people job. Yeah. Um, you know, it's still, uh, you know, this job is, the, the, the older I get with it, the more I realize that it's um, how you communicate and how you can deliver messages and keep people in a positive mindset is going to be way more important uh, to a client's results than understanding some of the uh, scientific, you know, terminologies and, and things like that. Like, I feel like, um, you know, being able to create that positive reinforcement with training for a general population client or, you know, for example, a, a mom that's, you know, 42 years old that has three kids and barely has any time to train, mm. you know, it's not going to be uh, how you would treat a, a 30 year old uh female bodybuilder that works in the industry and is always around um, and how you speak to those two and, and how, you know, one of them already has habits built in and the other one is going to be about creating positive reinforcement. So, you know, if you, if you gave the same structure and communicated the same way to them, then you might get vastly different results. One of them might thrive and the other one might just quit the gym altogether. So I think, you know, communication is something that um, is vital uh, to be, to be good at. Cause at the end of the day, you know, you can use the basics of training, but 80% of it is still going to be, um, keeping them adherent, keeping them consistent, keeping them having fun so that they want to, they want to, you know, continue to train. Cause we all know, you know, consistency always wins out. Um, and a lot of that comes down to, you know, how much fun you make them have, how, you know, they're, they're want to, you know, buy in and train and those sort of things. So, um, you know, a lot of the training doesn't have to be crazy rocket science, but I think, you know, if you can speak well to the clients and understand where they're coming from and be able to help map out plans that suit them and their lifestyle, um, which is, you know, a huge part of good communication, um, then, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be really, really successful. I see. So with now wanting to get into, obviously the subscription-based service and obviously you have a lot of staff under you as well that's one thing I want to dive into but because you've spoken so much about communication it's got me wondering like do you have some general guidelines you would give to personal trainers that they wanted to you know increase their communication skills um it sounds broad well well communication communication's a funny one because like it's it's there's no rules to it Mm. it's kind of um it's so situation dependent and it's so um, personality dependent. And it's one of those things, but if, you know, you could break it down into the simplest terms is, you know, good communication doesn't just come from um, talking to the client, but also uh, listening and understanding the client. So a lot of the time, you know, and I, I was guilty of this when I was younger and to this extent, I still pick myself up on it a lot. Um, but, you know, being able to identify you know, that um, listening to the client is going to give you much more feedback to make a good decision on their results than uh, constantly telling them what to do. So usually if you can sit back and you can fully listen and take in and understand lifestyle, uh, their emotion, why they're training, all of those, all of those sort of factors, um, you, can, you can be able to communicate a plan to them and communicate in a way that they're going to understand and they're going to buy in um, to the process. So I think that's, you know, there's always, it's such a multifaceted topic, but I think that's one thing that doesn't matter who you, who you are as a coach, what area of coaching you do, that's, that's going to apply and be extremely important. I think without that, you're going to struggle with communication. Mm. I normally tell people like, uh, when it comes to obviously, I mean, I don't normally give out advice, obviously, because I'm well within my, obviously, range of, of, of everything I know. But the point where I always tell uh, personal trainers if they're starting for the first time is try and get on their level. Um, let's say, for example, um, our topics of conversation will be very different in your 20s and your 30s and 40s. So normally, I, if they say, for example, come in, someone was coming in, it was a hard day, and they were saying something, oh, God, the weather's absolutely been awful and all that. And they'd be like, I know, I understand and all that. And then you sort of get deeper into why they are feeling. So you usually try and sell emotion. That's another thing. 
uh, normally just find out things that they like and common ground between the two. I mean, a lot of clients that I've had that generally, everyone's like got, what's it called? Almost like a little different communication profile. Like I know that this client likes this kind of TV shows, this kind of food or this sports team. And then when they come in, that's usually like the topic of conversations that we have while we're training. So we're trying to make it more enjoyable. And it's just these little things I tell them to jo- like drop, I drop down. So I know what it's going to be talking about. And that way I've also found when they're actually enjoying themselves in a session and they're talking about things they enjoy and hearing things that they enjoy, they're more likely to be actively engaging with the activity itself. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, anyway, without getting too much into self, I really now wanted to ask about this subscription uh, yeah. service that you run. Uh, so can you give us a little bit of information about that, man? Yeah. So um, the subscription training that we that we run at Physique Code is um, we, we have a, a training app that we use and then we've created a program, uh, a four-day week program for both males and females for body composition. Um, uh, the female one targets uh, more sort of glutes, legs, and uh, shoulders, and the male one is a little bit more upper body dominated. Um, and then what we do is, is I set up a set up a training phase, and I progress the weights every single week, or progress the reps or exercises, and we run through different phases. So, um, and then people can sort of jump in, and they pay a monthly fee. Um, and they, they jump into it and they can, you know, train it, downloads an app straight to their phone. It's really straightforward to do for them. Um, and everything has, you know, we've put videos on tech, uh, queuing and all that sort of stuff for the exercises. So, um, they can basically just log on, punch in the numbers that they lift and, um, all set up progressions for, you know, whether it's the exercise or the volume or the intensity or whatnot on, um, on my end. And then it goes straight into their app and there's a forum where they can all ask questions. So it's usually, uh, the training days are a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, then the Wednesdays I open up a, a Q and a, and, you know, people will put questions in there and, um, you know, and it can be, I can let it be about absolutely anything. So if it's, you know, sleep related, training related, diet or anything like that. Um, and yeah, so it, we've, we've had this running for, I think August, we started it last year and I think we're at, uh, up to, I think between the men and women, I think we're at about 255, 60 people. Um, that's, that's ridiculously impressive, man. Yeah, it's been good. It's been super fun. I think, um, the thing with it is, um, the thing that's helped build that is I think we have, you know, the physique code has so much, um, buy-in. So, you know, people believe in, in the products that we do, they see the results that we get, you know, and I think a lot of that also comes down coming back to the social media and, you know, constantly giving out free information and answering questions from people and being quite active. And, um, you know, when, when people buy into, uh, the brand, then they tend to buy into the, the products. So I think, you know, what w- we sort of looked at setting up a lot of the Instagram po- uh, Instagram posts and things like that and, you know, not trying to sell anything, just trying to be as valuable as possible to people. Um, and then obviously the content posts sort of grew a, a, a much bigger following on social media. And then once we released this, it was a, it was a great way for clients that, um, you know, potentially couldn't afford doing one-on-one training or, um, you know, we have a lot of coaches that are on it that you sort of use it for information and stuff like that, which I, I have some people, um, aren't the biggest fan of that, but I absolutely love it because that's, if it's, if it's helping coaches, it's going to be helping their clients. And, you know, that's what we're all here for anyway. So, you know, um, yeah, we get a lot of people that, that go through and, and run the program or go through and, you know, they use it to ask questions or things like that. So it's really taken off and, um, people have a really good buy-in with it. So it's, it's good that, we were able to um, build something that can help our reach so we can actually you know, get more people training um, the right way, get more people motivated, get more people, you know, even the, the chat community, people are making friends and training at gyms and stuff like that, which is also, again, coming back to creating that consistency and, and uh, positive reinforcement with the gym and things like that. So um, it, it's really cool that we've... Uh, being able to do all that and um hopefully in the next year or two we can sort of continue to push it and uh sort of expand it a little bit and and have some fun with it and see how many people we can actually help that's amazing so how did you come up with this idea how did you start this and was it something that you've been working on for a while or yeah so about uh 
would have been probably eight or nine months before we actually ran it. I was speaking a couple mentors of mine and, you know, they were sort of saying, this is a really good option. Um, there's a lot of software coming out that's making it really good and easy to do that just hasn't been around that much. Um, obviously, um, there's a few people in the U.S. that ran similar structures that we sort of saw and saw how well it was working. And, you know, so we said, okay, well, we, we want to do this, but, um, you know, what we need to do it in a way that uh, is going to be different. And what we did was we realized that, you know, anybody can make the app and anybody can make the subscription, but what is going to drive the, the, the sales and the people wanting to do it is the buy-in. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we spent a good, you know, seven or eight months just putting together content, like we said, and then just driving up the value, uh, yeah, of it. just driving up buy-in value, mm-hmm. um, you know, putting up videos on exercise technique, getting people interested, things like that. And then. Um, once we had done all that and, you know, we, we felt like the, the following had, uh, grown to a point where we thought this could be successful. We sort of, we put it out and, um, yeah. And then it's sort of taken off and, and it's been really, really good. Like it's at the point, um, it's awesome where I, a, cu- a couple of weeks ago, actually, I was at the grocery store and some person came up to me and she would have been between 40 and 50 lady with her, um, with her son there. And she said, um, I do your subscription training. It's absolutely amazing. Wow. And like that to me is awesome. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're able to help so many more people now and, you know, people believe in our training structures and, and, and people are getting results that, um, you know, we may not all have the, you know, there's only so many hours in the day and we can't help, you know, mm-hmm. we can only help a certain amount of people, obviously. Um, so yeah, to be able to put this together, have the, have the buy-in, have the, the trust in, in people and, you know, be able to, you know, get it to a position where it's at now is, is amazing. And then, you know, hopefully where we can take it in a couple of years will be, uh, you know, 10 times more amazing than what it is now. Yeah. I mean, how do you manage like over 200 people at once? You know, that's, it's great. I know you have a bunch of staff. Under yeah, your name, yeah. so, so yeah. we got we got five tra- uh, five trainers there that are absolutely amazing. Okay. Like the, the work they do is incredible, mm-hmm. um, and you know, physique code wouldn't be anywhere uh, wouldn't be anywhere what it is without them. That's you know, that's they they the work that they do, the hours that they put in to, to help people, the education that those guys go through is is amazing. Um, so, you know, every every trainer that we have is currently full, um, which is awesome to see and then the subscription um you know is a is a very self-sufficient uh uh, self-sufficient app so basically uh you know we'll have somebody there for q a's to answer questions in the forums and things like that so you know um that takes a little bit of time but also you know when you develop the system you want to make it as what we sort of say as childproof as possible so you know we look at what we think are going to be the frequently asked questions. And as we run it, we see what the frequently asked questions are. And we know we make sure we have, um, you know, ways to systemize answering all those questions for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the subscription, you know, having that many people on, we, uh, you know, go through answer questions. And a lot of the time, if one person has a question, 50 people have that same question. So if we answer it once, everybody sees it, um, and, you know, and things like that. So managing the subscription has been really cool. Um, you know, we're always finding ways to improve it. Um, but in terms of the one-on-one clients, you know, we have, you know, every, everybody that uh, works at our gym, you know, is sort of working with between 35 and 50 clients uh, full time. So, yeah, so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's busy, but, um, you know, that's a lot of hours. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it's also, they, again, they do, they do so much. I can't thank them enough. Um, but you know, when, when we, um, when we do everything, we make sure we do it well. We make sure we provide as much value as possible. And then, you know, we grow it when, you know, when we have to, rather than, um, you know, trying to say, all right, let's make X amount of money and, you know, water down a service to try to, to try to get it. You know, we want to make sure even the subscription, you know, we're, we are so confident that that, um, produces results. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, we, we're more than happy to put our name to it and say, you know, this will get results we know it will. Mm. Um, and, you know, and then the one-on-one training, obviously, same sort of thing, but there's a little bit more personal interaction. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's, it's we've got our systems to, to manage everybody. It does get hectic. I, I can't sit here and say it's not, you know, 
I, I think every single person that works at our gym is messaging people after work or, you know, things like that are still happening, you know, and the balance is probably uh, definitely more work, uh, definitely more on the work side. But I mean, you know, I think the, the results and the value that we are able to bring to people that want to come and work with us, um, it makes it all worth it. Mm. So what's a typical week, work week like then for you? Then if you're managing 200 people through the subscription and then you're doing one-on-ones yourself and you're yeah. managing your staff, like... Um, busy. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I sort of... Um, like how do you balance your time? I think that would be a better question uh, for you. Oh, man. How do I balance my time? Uh, when I know the answer to that, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, now, I look, I... I genuinely like if you can you can ask anybody around me like I genuinely love it. So for me, that's good. I work probably more than what most people would consider sane. Um, well, that's the thing when you yeah. know Conor McGregor says it. You know, you lose your mind in the process, yeah. and all then you become obsessed. And, yeah. and to, I guess we can say, I mean, it's almost like a healthy obsession. Yeah, I mean, you know, for for me. Um, I have, I've definitely worked on scaling it back a little bit and still providing the same value, which has been good over the last couple of years. Um, but in saying that, you know, I still, I'm at the gym Monday, 12 hours, Tuesday, 12 hours, Wednesday, six or seven, Thursday, 12, Friday, maybe six or seven, and then Saturday, four or five. So you take Sundays off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I, I do programming at home. See, I'm, I'm a big basketball guy and a lot of the NBA and NBL games are on Saturday. So oh. for me, I sort of, you know, that's my time where I sit on the couch and I slowly get through work and I, I put programs together and, and do a lot of that sort of stuff. So I still work, um, but I'm also in a very relaxed state, just watching basketball and, and, and sitting on the couch and, and things like that. So um, in terms of like, you know, balance and, and stuff, I, I, I'm still yet to speak to anybody or know anybody that, you know, has gone to a point where they're saying, um, I, I only work X amount of hours and I'm continuing to progress, you know, you know, get, you know, work, whether, whether it's going to be value, whether it's going to be, you know, any of those sort of things. So for, for, for me, I think when you, when you enjoy it, um, there's all, obviously always stressful times. So I, I can't say it's all, you know, smooth sailing. Um, there's definitely a lot of stressful times, but in saying that, I really do enjoy it. So, um, you know, I, I sometimes hear friends or things that people talking about their work and stuff like that. And I may get stressed, but you know, when I, when I look at what I get to do, um, it's really not so bad, yeah. you know? So I, I, I enjoy it and I don't, I mean, there's always going to be times where I definitely need you know, to switch off and things like that. But um, for the most part, you know, the, the longer the longer days and things like that are, are they're not too bad for me. Mm -hmm. So what uh, basketball team do you go for then? Uh, in the NBA, Brooklyn, and then I got to go for Perth here. Uh, uh, okay. So Wildcats fan and the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, Perth, uh, what is it? Australian basketball is very, very different to uh, the NBA, would you, would you uh, say? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, the rules are a little bit different. Um, uh, it is. Um <laughs> But I think it's a little bit more physical in Australia, the basketball. Like, they let a lot more go. The court's a little bit bigger in the NBA, so um, it's a little bit easier to score in the NBA and, and, and stuff. But uh, I think in terms of, you know, entertainment, they're pretty well on par with each other. Mm -hmm. um, I've been to a lot of NBA games in the U.S., and uh, the Wildcats, you know, atmosphere is – um, right up there with the top NBA games. Wow, so, really? Yeah, so, oh. yeah. The, yeah, it's it's crazy here. So. I, I was actually very surprised when you say that because I know in America they're like everything bigger and better and all that. Yeah, so. yeah look, I mean, there's always going to be certain games in America that are you know massive and in New York and all that sort of stuff. But like you know, as as a whole, I think the you know the the entertainment factor you know is 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 really really good here as well in basketball. So. Um, and we have a, there's a lot of players coming through the Australian pro ranks that are, you know, getting selected into the NBA now. So the quality is getting a lot better, um, in Australia. So a lot of the players that are, you know, college players in the U S, um, will come over here and play because the NBA scouts here pretty regularly. 
So the, the league is actually getting a lot better here. We're getting a lot of great imports. The Australian players are obviously getting a lot better. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's pretty fun to watch uh, at this time. I think Australian basketball is probably the strongest it's ever been right now. So, mm. How's your team doing at the moment? Well, they had a big win today, which was nice, but they're, uh, what are they, sitting like sixth or seventh? Um, they'll get up there, though. I got faith in them. Yeah, because isn't it right now March Madness? Yeah, for the college basketball, that started today uh, today or yesterday. So that's that's just starting now. So I'll probably watch the last four, uh, four or eight of those. Um, the, the, the games don't get shown on TV as much here. No, um, they don't. And, yeah, and it's harder to get. Uh, college has funny rules with the... Um, you know what they like they can't have ko or they don't have a lot of the like the, the app that you can download to watch all the games and stuff because uh, the college rules are a little bit funny but um so it's hard a little bit harder to watch that so i tend to watch the nba and the nba a little bit more um but yeah that's uh that's that's going to be a fun one this year i think too did you ever watch the last dance the last dance sheesh the Netflix TV uh, Oh, the Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, Michael Jordan. I, yeah, yeah, documentary. I was thinking of a movie for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. I was, I, personally, I was never really much of a basketball fan. I mean, I played a little bit back in high school, but I never really was super into it. And everyone, I'm pretty sure you could walk down the street. And if, if they, if you ask someone if they knew Michael Jordan, most, most of the time the answer would be yes. Oh, yeah, I'd be surprised if they didn't. And, and the reason why I like that so much is because, People, I always, people would argue why he's the greatest and it doesn't always come down to, you know, the amount of championships that they won, but I also believe that it's the amount of like, also a big factor was the adversity they have to come over. Absolutely. And learning about his life story, the fact that he'd went, I think he, he played for seven years before he won his first NBA yeah. title. Is that correct? Yeah. And then there was a situation which happened with his dad and. Yeah. You know, he had to fall now, and then he went and played baseball, and then when he came back, and I truly understand why people call him the greatest. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of stories like that with a lot of the athletes that, um, you know, Michael Jordan's obviously absolutely incredible, and, you know, you got, I think, Kobe Bryant, which would be the, the next generation after him, which is, you know, um, his story is incredible as well, and then you've got, you know, this era where you've got LeBron James, who's, mm -hmm. you know, um, doing some absolutely incredible things off the court as well. Um, so yeah, it's sort of, uh, it's really cool when you start to sort of, you know, learn about a lot of the players and, and, um, you know, it's one thing to, um, to be impressed with them on the court, but then when you see the, the sort of stuff they do off the court, which doesn't necessarily always get spoken about it, it is cool when you get those sort of documentaries and things coming out that, that. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, people can learn about them and, you know, makes them fall in love, you know, with the, with the person, not just the athlete. Yeah. Did you think, did you believe that, uh, Michael Jordan had a gambling problem? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I love to ask that question. It's yeah. Favorite. I don't know. Like I, I, for me, um, it's probably irrelevant. Like I, I, whether he did or he didn't, um, I know there's a lot of rumors going around. They didn't even say it in the last dance, but one of the rumors that he went to baseball because, um, he was going to be banned from, uh, basketball for gambling. Um, and that's actually why he left. Uh, and that, again, that's only just a rumor um, that's been around for years. I don't, I don't, don't know how much truth there is. To that probably not a lot. Um, but you know, like I think, regardless if he if he was or wasn't, I think you know you you you, you got to you know focus on uh, his athletic ability and his you know determination of of you know never give up determination um coming from you know struggling to make high school teams to to becoming you know one of the greatest players of all time so um yeah i i, I for me I'll, I'll try to i'll try to just you know use the positives of it you know yeah. regardless of whether it is or it isn't um uh, uh i don't know we've all made mistakes if it is yeah. you know well i knows? would say I would say, here's why I think, I don't think he had a gambling problem. I think gambling capitalized on his personality, that he had this personality that where he was absolutely obsessed with winning. And it was, at, sometimes it was so positive because he was pushing, I mean, well, it kind of was negative because he would be an asshole to his teammates. And there was no doubt about that, but he pushed them to be great. And he pushed himself to be great because of how obsessed he was with winning in number one. And then he would just go into different things where he had that same mentality, I want to win, I want to be number one. But with things like, you know, when it comes to gambling, obviously yeah. you don't win all the time. You can lose dramatically. Yeah. 
So I felt like it kind of fed. I wouldn't I wouldn't say he had an addiction. I believe it fed into his personality of being number one. Anyway, sorry, I just wanted to talk about that because yeah, you're a yeah, basketball absolutely. guy. Absolutely. Anyway, so let's um, revert back a little bit. This is now, this is the main question I really wanted to speak to you about today because it's something that really, really stuck with me. Okay. So quite some time on social media, you posted a quote, uh, a common mistake coaches make is only learning for the sake of learning. So I really want to dive into why. Can you elaborate on that for me, please? And why is this such a big mistake? Yeah. Is there more to that quote? Did I say more to that? Oh, I, that think, I think you did, but I think that was the opening yeah, sentence. Coaches, yeah. You know, okay. I think you believe you say about learning relevant. Yeah. To your scope. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah so but look, I mean, I think we're we're in a we're in a funny time right now, which you know, is there is access to information on everything everywhere. Mm-hmm. Nobody has an excuse not to learn. Um, the the thing that I see happening now more so than ever, which kind of is something that I always try to push across in seminars or mentoring or anything, is social media is almost turning into a competition for coaches. Okay. I would agree, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's becoming like – I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day, like working with um, – Work, you know, working in a sporting background with you know professional, semi-professional athletes versus uh, bodybuilding or body composition clients is, you know, it's all about the athlete in sports. Social media for a lot of coaches at the moment is turning into um, who can be seen as the best, like from a coach's perspective and things like that. And I think a lot of that is hurting so with social media it's hurting people's ability to coach and what i mean by that is is we're getting a lot of people that are you know learning a lot of uh super advanced things which is you know i will never ever take away from somebody learning um i think it's awesome but at the same time i think there's this habit where people are you know posting on social media to uh impress other trainers or okay. sound smart or and it's like you know if you have a if you're if you're a trainer that's um working predominantly with gen, general population clients working at a at a commercial gym um you know coming back to that whole avatar thing is you know understand who your demographic is and what you're actually trying to post so and you know what you're trying to do so i feel like a lot of um a lot of the industry now is posting to try to show how smart they are. Um, and then I think what needs to be looked at a little bit more is understand who you're, you know, why are you posting? Are you posting to try to sound smart and look, you know, like look like a smart person? Or are you trying to, are you posting to try to generally help your target demographic? So what ends up happening, I think a lot now is, is we're getting a lot of these people posting all these super complex things and it's confusing the consumers it's confusing people and then people are sort of starting to focus on the wrong things and, and it potentially can scare them away from the gym. Um, we, you know, and I think what people need to, to look at is, you know, what, what are we, what are we trying to learn and why are we trying to learn it? Like, you know, for me years ago, I was always taught, you know, go do the courses. They're going to help your clients. So it's like, you know, you can be interested in things, but don't, you know, that's fine. But you know, if you're neglecting, what your clients need. So you're just learning about what you want or what you think sounds smart. You're not doing your business, your clients a service. So wh- what, what I mean when I, when I post those sort of things is, you know, it's, it's not a don't study. It's not a, you know, anything like that. It's just, you know, identify be as a coach. It's a very good skill to identify your client's needs and then go out and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what, you know, that's, when I say those sort of things, it's like I go on social media and I'm seeing people that I know are training general population clients going on and talking about advanced bodybuilding methods. Mm. And it's, you know, you know, it's, it's like, what, what, what are you trying to advertise? Who are you trying to help? You know, or is this post coming out of, I want to sound smart. Um, so I think if people, you know, looked at what their clients needed, um, and went out and learned a lot more, uh, in those regards, I think you'd, you'd probably find there's going to be, you know, uh, it would it will help the industry and help coaches deliver a better service and, and a, a more quality service to their clients, which in turn is going to help their business, but also help our industry 
be seen as as more professional, um, which is a huge thing for me because I think you know when when trainers are doing the right thing and getting great results, um, the general public's consensus is is trainers are worth their weight in gold because they're able to help with these issues. And I think you know when when all trainers start um, focusing on that, it will just uh, it will raise the um, you know, the, how, how, how useful and professional our industry is seen. And that makes it more valuable, which can potentially mean more people will want to come to us. More people potentially will pay more money because they're going to have more faith in the fact that we can get results. Um, so again, so, you know, coming back to that point, I just want to make sure that, you know, we're not, the industry doesn't lose focus on, um, trying to help our target demographic rather than, you know, just trying to post something uh, that they've read out of a science book um, mm. or read out of a physiology book or, or something like that, um, which may not, you know, it can be conflicting for the target demographic to uh, the information that they're posting. So, you know, the clients that they want, they may not, they may not get because, um, you know, those, those consumers are looking at their content and saying, you know, well, they're talking about all this stuff that's not relevant for me, so that coach might not be the person for me. Mm. Um, I just feel like now as humans we've gotten into a point where we're living in the age of information where it's almost gotten to a point where it's become just almost worthless to us because if you think about it like um, let's take iPhones for example do you remember when the first iPhone came out like everyone was like holy shit he's got an iPhone holy crap and now everyone's like oh you see an iPhone it's like it's no different I feel like it's gotten to a point now of information because back say before the age of the internet to get information you had to go down to the library read our book write it down remember it nowadays it's like literally takes 10 minutes or less than that probably to get at least somewhat educated in a topic of your choice yeah and so now i feel like we're getting to a point where we have to choose the education or choose the information which we know is going to be applied to us and i feel like that's one part but also in my um, experience and people that work with the most best coaches are the ones who know how to apply absolutely. what they've learned absolutely so if someone says to me you know there's this many calories in the in fat or this many calories in carbs i'm like okay but how do you apply that to your clients exactly yeah correct and, and just on a side note on that i was working in this industry when you didn't when you still did have to go down to the library to get information <laughs> of what was that like <laughs> yeah so um you you know you you relied on other trainers and you relied on and i think nowadays it is much easier to get information mm. and i think you know if the other uh, the other issue with it is is also uh, much easier to put out information mm. which confuses the consumers which confuses our potential clients um and then that's how sometimes we end up in the position we're in so um, you know, I think being able to, as you say, sort of, uh, go back and apply the basics and be able to communicate the basics really well, I think that's going to help, um, solve a lot of problems and, and, you know, the, the obesity problems that we face in Australia, cardiac health that we face in Australia. Um, and I, I was actually just speaking about this the other day is, you know, when, when Australia is, uh, at the top of, uh, the list of, uh, uh, heart disease in the world. I can't believe that. When I yeah, read so, uh, yeah, so we're right up the top there. And we have so much information on, you know, how to lose weight. But, you know, and then I, I look around and I see, uh, you know, coaches posting about, um, you know, specific exercises that target specific muscle fibers and things like that. And we got to stop. And at, at what point do we stop and we come back and we say, hey, you know, uh, uh, heart disease is, is on the rise still with all this information and we're putting out all this information to apparently help our clients, but these sort of things are still on the rise. So maybe what we're doing, maybe, maybe we should be, you know, trying to target these people that are, you know, super confused about, you know, how to lose weight because right now they're going for detox plans and, you know, cutting carbs and all, all sorts of this stuff. Um, so maybe we should get back to the basics and that that's the type of consumer that the majority of trainers, you know, will, that will be their demographic. So why, why are we not seeing more stuff that is helping those sort of people compared to, especially when that is your demographic compared to 
you know, trying to go, um, you know, into the biomechanics of one specific exercise that's not really going to help their target demographic. So that also comes back to that post again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, with the information, it's great that we can get more information, but now, you know, people, there is so much that the general population, um, you know, for us, it's for trainers, it's, it's pretty easy to uh, be able to sort through off the bat. But, you know, we got to stop and think about it for somebody that's not educated um, in, in health and fitness. It's going to, you know, it's going to confuse them. So for social media, I, I would love to see um, in the future more more trainers going through and, um, you know, talking about healthy habits, talking about, you know, eating more um micronutrient rich foods and and things like that because you know we don't need we just need people to be active consistently we don't need to have the best exercise or you know this is you know the best workout plan or or things like that we just need people to be more active and we need people to eat more micronutrient rich foods um improve their sleep and, and 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 those sort of things so you know that's why a lot of our posts now are um geared towards that because we look at it and you know these are the re that's the reality of it. These are the issues that these people are facing and they're not doing. So we need to, you know, provide, um, you know, provide a, a, a trustworthy, uh, network of people sharing these sort of things. And I think, you know, when we, when we look at it, um, you know, for people, social media wise, you know, since we started posting, on habits and, and, you know, just the basics and going away from all the, um, bodybuilding specific stuff. We've gotten to a point now where our Instagram following is going through the roof. You know, mm-hmm. our subscription sales are going through the roof. Our, um, inquiries are going through the roof. So for, you know, trainers that are looking at it and saying, Oh, I don't want to post that. It's too simple. And you, you know, it, it's the stuff that works. It's the stuff that brings clients in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, and if you look around at any of the businesses online, um, you know, overseas or, or, you know, a lot of that sort of stuff, those, the coaches that are doing that are the ones that are the most successful, you know? Mm. So it's, um, it's something that I, I really want to be able to change in the fitness industry and try to get more people to do it. Um, because if they, if they don't, um, you know, we might see health and, you know, the, the, heart disease and, and poor health escalating in Australia, which at the end of the day, we all become trainers because, you know, we, we don't want people to, to, to be, have to live like that. And, 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 you know, so we just got to, you know, bring the focus back and, and start supplying potential clients with what they need rather than posting what, um, rather than posting what we, we think sounds smart, um, in a nutshell. So, yeah. Well, very well spoken. And honestly, man, I wish you good luck with that. Uh, fortunately, that's all the time we're coming, for, coming towards the end of the podcast. But just for the people listening right now, Richard, if they want to follow you or they want to follow your work and get involved in your subscription-based service, where can they find you, man? Yeah, so uh, the, the company's Instagram is at Physique Code. So nice and straightforward. Um, and myself is Richard underscore Physique Code. Oh, at Richard underscore Physique Code. So very straightforward. You can type in physique code and you'll get every one of our staff, uh, everybody that works at the gym, myself, Alice, Will, Kayla, Ethan, Bree. Um, and yeah, and then you'll get the physique codes main page, which is a mix of everybody. So lovely. Awesome. And follow you at Richard physique code. Yeah. Richard underscore physique code. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, man. Hope you enjoyed that. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, cool. Thanks for listening guys. All the best. Don't forget to follow. And of course, don't forget to follow us on social media at the last set podcast. All the best. Catch you later.